Hey, I'm Jeff Krasno, and welcome to Commune, where each week we explore the ideas, values, and practices that bring us together and help us live healthy, purpose-filled, and loved-filled lives. In addition to being a podcast, Commune is also an online course platform featuring some of the world's greatest teachers and thought leaders. Check us out at onecommune.com. Well, welcome to our very special Valentine's Day episode. Now, Valentine's brings up all sorts of stories and emotions of love, returned and unrequited, enduring love and faded love of connection and sometimes of loneliness. Its namesake, St. Valentine, was imprisoned for performing weddings for Roman soldiers who were forbidden to marry. During this imprisonment, before his execution, he wrote his daughter a farewell letter signed, Your Valentine. And so the tradition began between a father and a daughter. Now, I am either the most or least qualified person in the world to give relationship advice. I've been with my wife, Skylar, for 31 years. She's been with me for 30, but that's another story. And I know a thing or two about maintaining love, but don't come to me for pickup lines. You want to really know the secret to our forever marriage? We have sex almost every day, almost on Monday, almost on Tuesday, almost, um, yeah. That was actually Wayne Dyer's opening line for years that I just stole. Now, in truth, Skylar has been my muse and inspiration for the businesses I've created for Wanderlust and for Commune. And for the better part of these 30 plus years, we've worked alongside each other, building a life together, raising our kids and turning our wildest and tamest dreams into reality. So in honor of Valentine's Day, we're doing a different type of episode this week. We're inviting you into our horrible, adorable world and sharing some of our story with you. It's part love story and part practical advice because relationships can be fun and wild, but they are also, over the long haul, transactional. So with the risk of great personal embarrassment, welcome to Commune's Valentine's Day episode and all of the issues that I've swept under the rug. This week for Valentine's Day, we have a special guest, my wife, Skylar, and we will discuss all of the secrets for a loving relationship over 31 years. And another special surprise, we have Sarah Klegman, our dear and accomplished producer on board here to host the show and keep us on track. Hi, Sarah. Hi, everybody. Happy to be here. You're kind of maybe more like a marriage therapist here. All right. We're on the couch. (laughs) So you guys work together. You have a family together. So today for our listeners at home, some of them are going through similar situations. I think we'll start with the way that you guys first shaped an idea of a healthy relationship and what that looks like. So growing up, did you look to anyone in your life as a model for a healthy relationship? And and if so, what's their story? Well, you know, I'll speak to that quickly. We both come from parents who, for different reasons, had very difficult marriages. My parents are still together, actually quite happy now, but had a very fraught relationship. And Jeff's parents had a very difficult and protracted divorce. And I think both of us, through our experiences as of, as children with parents who were going through a lot when we were young and, and in our formative years, I think we both internalized the fact that we didn't want to emulate that and that we didn't want to grow up and spend so much of our vital energy fighting with our partners. 
and, you know, going through the tumult that it takes to really like hash it out and have a, a really hard partnership. And so it's not like we don't have hard times. We've had lots of them and we certainly do our fair share of fighting, but overall we, we pretty much are like, we're a team in that we want to have lots of energy to do a ton of other things. And so we've decided not to put our energy into having a lot of strife. Hmm. Commitment for a lot of people denotes sacrifice. And I think we've really looked at it uh, and lived it in the exact opposite, where our commitment to each other actually gives us a tremendous amount of freedom to go out and live our dreams and fall on our faces and, and sometimes succeed, but knowing that we can pursue those dreams with the fact that then if we always can then go back to each other. So in a way, that commitment has actually equaled freedom instead of something that is limiting. Mm. In terms of the relationship that was very impactful on me, it was like my grandparents who were together for a very, very long time and, and died within a few months of each other. And they really, really put family first. They made it really easy for us to be with them as, as much as they could. And my grandmother had this one piece of advice or one thing she used to say to my grandfather, you know, he went to work every single day until he died. And my grandmother, she used to always say in her inimitable voice, I married you for life, but not for lunch. So get out of here. You know, and she'd like kick him out the door and away he'd go to his office. But she really felt that keeping him active and engaged in his work life was extremely important and kept him alive and vital for a very long time. And I think that's true. The thing is, is that we actually didn't follow her advice. We actually got married for life but and also for lunch, for lunch which is, uh, I think, unique and has its own challenges. How did you two meet? Um, oh, we have two different stories. Yeah, he was <laughs> dating me before I was dating him. That's true. But <laughs> we met at Columbia University in 1988. And um, we were freshmen when we met. But we met in art class. And then we were, you know, sort of friends and then friends with benefits. And then um, eventually we took our junior year abroad together to France and, and had many adventures around Europe. And then when we came back, we didn't really have university housing. So we sort of fell into living together in a somewhat random way. And then we just kept living together for another 30 years. Yeah, we were in our class. I will agree with that. I was not well adjusted and smoking a lot of weed, unconnected to each other. But Sky and Skyler was heavily dancing at that point. She was always in some form of leotard. She would always waltz into art class late and she <laughs> would eat grapefruit in art class all the time. And she would sit next to me and I would sort of like lean in a tiny bit and she would peel open this grapefruit and spray the, the grapefruit all over the place onto me. But I thought it was, I was sort of enamored with it and still love grapefruit. And, uh, and then, you know, so then I became kind of enamored with her as like the dancer girl from art class and our art history teacher. I remember had I think we were studying Bernini, and there was this one piece, The Abduction of St. Teresa, and I had like this, some spiritual vision that 
you know, she was St. Teresa and I was abducting her. And then all of a sudden, like, uh, you know, it was probably, I was probably stoned. But it stuck with me as this, like, oh, like, incredibly, like, spiritual moment. Like, now she has to be mine. So how'd you guys get engaged? So Skylar was doing a play in LA. So we were living in New York. And I was like all lonely over there in New York. And so I was going to come out um, for Valentine's Day to visit her. And then I was like, you know what? I think I'm ready. I'm going to ask her to marry me on Valentine's Day. But like Skylar is a hippie. And she comes from very a very, very alternative home. And, you know, just like non-traditional in every way. So I'm like, nah, like, uh, she's, she's not really going to want a ring. So I'm going to like try to be, you know, just different because she'll really appreciate like a different approach to an engagement. So I went into this old jewelry shop on 6th Avenue in the West Village. And it was one of these like crazy little trinket jewelry shops. And I found this like beautiful old deco locket. And I put a photo of her on one side and a photo of me on the other side. And that's what I brought with me to Los Angeles to propose. So then we were in bed and it was on Valentine's Day. And the moment, you know, came and I was like, I proposed. And I gave her the locket. And she looked at it and she like opened it up. And in effect, she said, cool, but where's the fucking ring? Because under every <laughs> hippie girl is a girl who wants sure, the ring. Sure. So when did you start working together? Much later. I was running a music company down in the financial district in, um, in lower Manhattan. And then right in 2001, when the World Trade Center travesty happened, uh, we were right around there. And so our office was closed for quite a you know period of time. And most of those tenants left. Um, but we stayed, but one space opened up upstairs, um, and Skylar rented the space to open Kula, her first yoga studio. And so Skylar then really became sort of the muse for Wanderlust. A lot of the ideas and inspiration of it came from Kula and from trips that Skylar was leading to Costa Rica. And, you know, Sean and I, who started Wanderlust, we were incredibly inspired by what she had created and and we're also business people and, you know, had our business hats on in terms of like, you know, how could we scale that idea? So Skylar provided sort of the inspiration and, and sort of the, the relationships and a window into the culture that essentially completely overtook my professional life. From the beginning, I'll, I'll say that it's been together, but it's also been very parallel. So at that beginning point, when Jeff and Sean were working their asses off all day, every day, both running the, their music business and then starting up Wanderlust, I was working with them from a more creative standpoint, and I was running my own business on a parallel track. It was quite porous, but it also wasn't 
fully enmeshed. We, I wasn't going to their office every day. I would pop in, we'd do this, we'd work on that. But I was, we never really like worked in an office together. And that's still true. Now our professional lives are more enmeshed, but they still continue to weave in and out of each other's domains and strong suits and responsibilities. But we don't go to work every day together. There's a fair amount of discreet work and responsibilities and interests that intersect and sometimes bump up against each other, but for the most part align really well. It helped that we had different strengths. Mm. So I, I read a lot of celebrity interviews in preparation for this of, of couples that work together. And one of the common things that kept coming up was this this idea of the, the, the pillow talk changing to business. What would you say are some of the biggest challenges of sort of working together directly and indirectly? There's the obvious one where you're you don't come home from work and then home is a respite. Home is its own bubble that has its that is its own world. Work permeates everything and home permeates work. So if you're in a funk or you're fighting, you're, there's stuff, there's strife that's going on in your marriage or relating to your kids and then you have to be dealing with work stuff, then there's that problem. But even if you come home and your partner doesn't work with you, you're going to bring whatever stresses you have from work with you anyway. I think there would be no way to get away from the leakage between work and your personal life. And I, and they're, they're the flip sides of the same coin. Like you can't get the, the pleasure and the benefits and the riches of sharing both without getting the stresses of both. And to expect that it it's ever going to look you know, it's ever going to be perfect. It's, it's just not, a, it's, it's a compromise you have to be willing mm. to take. Skylar and I are very similar in the sense of that we've always wanted to live one life, not a life that has a bunch of separate component parts. It's never been about work-life balance. It's always been about work-life integration, where work is more or less play and f- there's no real boundary between friend and colleague or um, any of that. It's all just one life. We live a very fluid, unified life. And that's not for everybody, but it is for us. And so it works. Um, You know, we've also, I I, I also just think that, you know, relationships over a long period of time can just become transactional unless there are creative endeavors that you're both invested in. And I would say we're complementary, but we have very different interests and skill sets. Yeah, I mean, there's always these small examples that people make about like, if one person loves to wash the dishes and the other person loves to dry the dishes over a lifetime, that actually has a lot of meaning. Yeah. What specific advice do you have for couples who currently work together or are about to start working together? A really establishing your own empowered lane. That's the biggest one. Uh, Because people want to have autonomy, they want to have imagination. People hate to be fenced in. Largely because the thing that soul craves more than anything is space and the ability to expand. This is what people are always looking for in life. They're looking for space. You know, again, I think that's one thing that would be really important to establish is like you align at the very, very highest creative level and then you find empowered lanes that people have autonomy and a tremendous amount of space in. And on a really practical basis, I would say write everything down, all the component parts that need to be covered in order to achieve the vision. And then 
you both take your lanes. Like Jeff said, like, you're like, I got this, you got that. And then there's going to be a bunch of stuff left. Like neither of you want to file taxes. Who wants to go to the Department of Buildings to deal with the permitting? So to get really like annoyingly clear about logistically how all the bases get covered and what you need to hire out for and figure out if you can do it. Because if you can't, then things are going to fall, it's going to fall apart or you're going to end up fighting about all the stuff that's left undone because you haven't really covered your bases on it. Yes, you need to always have the vision guiding you like that is the beacon, but you also have to be like really clear and really honest about the details. Could you share a time when it wasn't easy and how you got through it? Perhaps having to do with work or or not? Because we're both busy and we both excel at what we do and get recognition for things that we do. In some ways, it's easy just to think of like, okay, well, you know, you've got it. You've got you and I got me. Like, it's good. But there are times where I actually just need support. Like I'm tired. Like I've been, you know, out carrying what feels like the weight of the world in high pressure kinds of situations that are high pressure for me sometimes. And I need like a certain sort of like affection and support that she doesn't need. I would say I tend to not need as much. I'm a quite self-sufficient person. I mean, I like that too, but I don't need it in the same way that he needs it. But then if he needs like more TLC, I'm just totally wiped out too. So it's like, I have to dig really deep to find that on the regular. And so that really takes me really tapping into my reserves and my highest self to be that generous. After 30 years, you have to dig a lot deeper to continue to be the giver, giver, giver especially when you're both working full-time. Absolutely. So if Jeff and Skylar from 20 years ago were sitting in this room right now, what would you say to them? I didn't think that Jeff was going to have be nearly the incredibly, like, impressive human that he is. I just thought he was cute and smelled nice and was very foxy and was so different than me. I was attracted to him, but I didn't really think that he had necessarily the potential that he's manifested. So I would tell myself to just stick with, stick with it. You yeah. got a good one. Jeff, what would you say? I mean, I probably would have tried to find like a spiritual path earlier in my life because I think, you know, it, it takes a lifetime to cultivate, you know, your higher self and to you know, even understand what that means or how to get there. So I think if I had been able to find the teachers and the the guidance kind of earlier in life, that would have helped my path. But still, I you know, I am where I am for a reason. And, and you know, maybe that was just meant to be. I was meant to find my path later. For us, I would say that what aligns us isn't so much like a, a, a spiritual journey that we've been on together. It's more a, a moral journey or a 
a, an ethical journey. I mean, it's us trying to figure out like how do we participate in living a good life, a positive life, a life that like it brings pleasure to the people around us, the larger world, and is you know decent for our kids and our friends and the people who the, whose lives we touch. In honor of Valentine's Day, kind of a mushy one. What's something that you love about each other? That's really small and maybe you haven't mentioned it or you haven't mentioned it recently. It could be the way they do something or something little about them. I know it. I would say one of my favorite things about Jeff is he's got the nicest hands and he plays the piano beautifully. And he just has a way of like touching things and moving his hands. That's, that's just lovely and sexy and refined and artistic and and blush it. I've always admired Skylar's ability to not give a shit. And it's something that just I don't have. I'm constantly giving too much of a shit. Really about like what people think of me and wanting to be liked. And that's just my ego and that's a journey that I'm dealing with. But Skylar for some reason just has never had that. You know, she she does not base her own self-worth or her own vision of who she is on what anybody else thinks. And I think that that's a very important lesson to give our children. So I've always admired that. Well, thank you both for allowing me to ask you deeply personal questions about your relationship and how you make it work. Happy Valentine's Day, everyone. We love you, listeners. Thanks for listening to The Commune Podcast. Subscribe now for new episodes each week and learn more about our online course platform at onecommune.com. I'm Jeff Krasno. Happy Valentine's Day, and I'll see you next time.